Let's open in prayer. Father in heaven, I just pray that you will, uh, first of all, forgive us of our sins, Father. For we have sinned against you and you alone. Cleanse us, Father. That we may live this life, whatever time you've given us, Father, to honor you. So I just pray that uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit today, as we open your word, that it'll be seated in our hearts, Father. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to start off with uh, calling. Um, uh, we're going to do a Boyle Heights update. Keep you appraised. In our, in our Sunday school class, we, you know, we, we talk about it almost every week. You know how to pray for us. So you're back in, huh? Okay, Miss Ruthie and Miss Laura, could you come up from your perspective? Share what you've seen. Now, Laura's first. <laughs> no particular reason. <laughs> Just share what we went, what we did a couple weeks ago. Okay, well, a couple weeks ago we went out and we had um, the group here from Ohio for their ministry trip. And so they partnered with us and we had a three-day event at the park. Um, and also a group from the Orange Church came and did a children's program there. And um, I just thought it was really wonderful, the different groups that were um, working together. Um, everything went smoothly. And um, we had also planned to send a group to the bridge, but we had found out that morning that um, the police had come through and cleaned out everyone from under the bridge. And they were filming a movie, so they took everyone out and all their stuff. And that was kind of upsetting, um, you know, because that's our family now. Um, and we've built relationships with them. And so it's sad whenever they have to clear out. Um, they were able to move back in, I think, that Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was only temporary, but a lot of their belongings were taken. Um, and, um, you know, even just being displaced for a few days Um, I can only imagine what that's like. So um, and then also um, Zoe, um, who was pregnant with twins, was having some um, problems while they were there. So they had gone to the bridge to visit everyone and called 911 for her. And so she's in the hospital now, um, which is great because she's getting monitored and has somewhere safe to be um, until the twins come. Um, But it was um, a great experience. The Orange Church did a phenomenal job with the kids. I think we had about 25 kids. Um, The first day was the lowest, and then Friday and Saturday we had even more kids come and do the program, and that was a two-hour program. And I just thought it was wonderful that these parents are here at the park with their kids, didn't plan to stay for two hours, you know, at a program, and they stayed, and um, we would talk with them and while their kids are doing the program. And I believe on Saturday, a little Bible study was led with them. Um, And just seeing how God works, um, a lady named Brenda who came with the Ohio group, she's from Urban Hope, um, um, speaks sign language. And so there was a man that day on Saturday who was deaf. And he was in, you know, joined in the Bible study and she was able to interpret. And I believe he came to know the Lord. She led him to the Lord. Led him to the Lord. So uh, just so many amazing things going on there. Um, and it's just wonderful seeing um, God work. Thank you. Ms. Ruthie, 
What did you, what did you, we'll get That's it down. That's just me. Come on, come on. Just explain what you've seen at the park and what, you know, from your eyes, what you've seen. Um, it was just phenomenal to see the Lord working there. You could feel it. You could, it was palpable. You could almost touch it. There was a lot of people. There was this one particular incident. Uh, there was a gentleman, and he had grabbed some water. He had two bottles. Four bottles of water, two in each hand. And he walked maybe like from here to the doors and back like four times. And he, and I, I was kind of wondering, he was, you could tell he was way out of it. He was high on something. And then he comes back and he looks at me and I said, you can have them, you can take them, go ahead. And he goes, no, I can't do this. And I was kind of confused as to what he was talking about. He goes, this is what I always do. I always go to the 7-Eleven and I steal their soda, but I can't do that here. And he takes off all the other waters and cookies he had in his pocket, and he wants to put them back. And I was like, well, you know what, Echo, they're here for you. You can take them, but you trust that's the Holy Spirit that's talking to you, and you trust him. If he says to put it back, go ahead and put it back, but otherwise go ahead and take them because they're here for you. And it was just amazing to see God's work there. Um, That area is very, very heavily hardcore Catholic and to see all these parents looking in wonder like but they never stop the kids from coming over and that amazes me because having grown in that faith I know how you're very they're very like no 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 you stay away from everyone else who thinks differently and so I was really surprised to see that those parents allowed those kids to come and and hear the Bible and then little miss um God, I forgot her name. I'm so bad. Amy or uh, Brent? Um, for whom? Enrique's wife. Oh, Enrique. Brenda. Brenda. She started uh, singing worship music uh, without music, and then we had John and... What was the other thing? Uh-huh. He came over with the guitar, and you could just... It just exploded. It's like you could see it everywhere. So... To me, it just reassured me that this is the right place to be. Our church is small. We might never be a mega church, but it's okay because God is alive and our faith is active here. Amen. So if you guys can come out, that'd be great. I know it's kind of hard sometimes with scheduling, but it's just so amazing, and you get more out of it than you can possibly put into it. And thanks to everyone who donated, we had more than enough of everything. I think even the beans, right? <laughs> We were worried because it was a small pot, and we fed over over okay. 200 people, and the beans kept kind of expanding in the pot. Yes, <laughs> I like the breads and the fishes. Richard came, and we had a little grill there, and he kept pouring the meat on. Those street tacos were stacked up like this. So he's our official grill man. Um, thank you, Ruthie and, and Miss Laura. They had a children's ministry there. Um, Urban Hope had 14 college students that that, that and I um, tried to minister to and show what we have done. We were doing very little, but I guess they, they learned a lot from it and appreciated it. They went home, and now they want to serve in their areas the same way. Uh, Orange Church, uh, Brethren Church, uh, had, I think, five or six ministering there, youth minister, Pastor Miguel and a gangbanger called Hector uh, was there. Uh, scary guy, man. But he loves the Lord now, so he's not so scary anymore. And so he gave his testimony. Uh, Twelve salvations in three days. So if you prayed, 
you're part of that 12 salvations. We're trying to keep track. We don't know if we're accurate or not. 31 people have come to know the Lord just by us raggedy guys just walking up and down. So God can use you. If he can use us, he can use you better. Uh, Zoe's in the hospital. Her two babies are being taken care of. Richard probably cooked up 200 street tacos, Rich. Huh? You're quite a cook. You ought to go to our website and check out the picture. You've got a cowboy hat on and everything. Man. I love it. Chris and Lonnie, are you here? Put your hand up. Yes. Higher, higher. They were there. And he's strumming his guitar and she's singing and stuff. That was awesome. It was awesome. We had fun. Did you have fun? Yes, yes. You going to go with us this week? No pressure on that, right? <laughs> if you do, bring your guitar. Um, but anyway, we had fun. And, and Vet did something new this time. He actually took half the team into the hardcore neighborhoods. And I don't know if you know the neighborhoods, but they all have fences, dogs. You know, you don't go inside their, their place. Um, it's, it's a pretty tough area. Did you have fun doing that? Did you engage the folks, Mr. Vett? Yes. It was a blessing to uh, engage the community. Everyone we seen stop and talk to said hi to them and invite them over. Amen. And we're, we're um, attaching our ministry to a little church there. A guy's name is Miguel. I don't know his last name. But he's a block from the park. So we are sending the ones that we lead to the Lord over to him. And I was going to call him to ask him if they're faithfully coming, but he was, he was real happy about that. So continue playing, praying for uh, the Boyle Heights team, okay? It's fun, uh, and it's neat to see what, what the Lord is doing. If you want to be mentored, come with us. You're not expected to do anything except follow us around, but you would be amazed at what you end up doing. So thank you. With with God's work going forward, like Boyle Heights and what I see here in this church, I've expected trouble from the evil one for a long time now. He's trying to discourage the work that is being done. We are we are called by God to count the cost before we embrace Christ. Count the cost because it is going to cost you. And uh, this week that happened. I've been kind of heartsick since this attack on us, um, as many of you have been also to, just trying to trying to think through it, absorb what we've been through the last week or two. We've suffered trauma both individually and as a collective body. We know that uh, at Grace Brethren Church in Norwalk. The, uh, Jesus quoted Zechariah in Matthew 26 once. He said, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. They were speaking uh, the, uh, about the Savior, that uh, Satan thought if he could take out uh, Jesus, uh, Yeshua, then the, the, the um, shepherd gone, the flock will scatter. But it's also, uh, you can use that verse for you all here, everybody here today. Um, the shepherd has been stricken. No doubt about it. But you did not scatter. And I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Draw close to the Lord. He will draw close to you. Pray for your elders because your under shepherds now are um, meeting 
praying with our wives here, um, investing in this congregation. Everything is is okay. Uh, know that any time something like this happens, you have to identify for what it is. It's uh, there's a spiritual warfare going on. People have called it a cosmic spiritual warfare between good and evil, of which we as believers are part of it. Uh, the prince of the power of the air, which we call Satan, uh, will always endeavor to destroy God's church, Christ's church on earth. And so he targets your leaders. And failure happened. Make no mistake about it. Failure happened. God, God will restore. God will heal. But failure happened. You see, in the church, this is not an organization what you see in much of America, where you go to churches to check it off, feel good for the day, for the week. And then, oh, I went to church, you know. I, I guess the statistics say 75, 80 percent of Americans go to church. It's not that. In the body of Christ, which means you and I as believers, uh, Christ has a higher standard for you. If you name the name Jesus, you need to look like him. So there's a higher standard for all of you. As a church elder or pastor, the standard is even higher. So understand that. Count the cost and understand what we are going through here. It's not about you or I individually or uh, Jeff, whom I love dearly. It's about Satan trying to destroy the church. Um, when I feel an intimate loss like this, um, I, I need to get away for some quiet time. I don't know how you handle things like this, but I need some personal time by myself. Some people call this time devotions. Well, it's a good word, I guess. Sounds kind of churchy for me. But for me, it's a, a reflection. I get into the Word, read Scripture, and I try to reestablish the balance in my own soul. First of all, by repenting of my sins. And then, through the Word and through prayer, we, we reestablish a balance or a peace in our soul. Sometimes that takes a while. Sometimes it's immediate. For me, it'll take a while. I need some time just to settle in with the Lord. I've seen this before. I've seen these kind of attacks before. I've seen them destroy congregations, and I've seen them make congregations stronger. Remember, everything, once you, you name the name Jesus, you're... Your spiritual life, your commitment will be tested. And this is one of those tests. The staggering, the staggering reality of sin in this world is, is kind of sickening. But it's true. Before I came to know the Lord, I thought this world was fine. Work hard, make a lot of money, get married, have wonderful children, live happily ever after, go surfing, do whatever you want. That this world is good. No. It's not good. And it's getting worse. So understand, you and I are warriors for Christ here. 
And it's not, like I said, about our personal happiness. We do get joy. Understand that. The Lord will give us joy. But it's not about our personal happiness. We're here for a short period of time. And how our light shines during that short period of time has eternal significance. And the light shines individually. Individually. How does your light shine? I like I, I do appreciate topical sermons uh, sometimes. It focuses laser-like in on uh, doctrinal issues. I know Robert likes things like that, and I appreciate them too. We look at God's Word under the microscope on topical sermons. But in times like this, I like to read God's Word in the way that he shared it, in context, uh, with the same flow that it was delivered to us. When God gives us stories and illustrations... And letters, they all seem to have like a devotional aspect to them. Not only do you learn God's mind, but make it practical. Example would be the prodigal son that we uh, learned about last week. We learned all sides of that story and where God's wisdom um, shined through. I've chosen today to um, to read from John 14. So if, if all of you would turn, I really want you to read it. There's a Bible in front of you. Uh, Matthew, I know you're reaching for it, but uh, you haven't gotten it yet. There you go. I knew you would. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, 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 whenever you read the Word of God, thank you, bud. <laughs> uh, whenever you read the Word of God, it's here, and then it goes through your heart. Um, I've, this is a letter... From the Apostle John. Um, and it describes a time in John's life and all the apostles and the very end of Jesus' life. Heartache and confusion. The same heartache and confusion we may have right now. Uh, they, were per- they, were, they were searching for some sort of perspective to the troubles that were before them. Um, Jesus himself was there during this time to help them. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, John wrote it down later so that you could so that we could be taught the same way. Um, Start out with John 13, 33 to 38. I'll read it. Um, And this is. This is Jesus pouring out his heart to his disciples. Imagine if you knew. That you had 12 hours to live. 15 hours to live. Today is Sunday. 11.30. Tomorrow about 2 o'clock. You're going to die. And you knew it. So Jesus, even though he was God. He tented among us as a man. Had the same feelings that we do. And so he was pouring out his heart. To his disciples and those around him. 33, it says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I will tell you now where I'm going, you cannot go. A new command I give you. Love one another. 
as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot go. You cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you truly lay down your life for me? Verily, verily, I say before, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. See, Jesus had just, it's in the night before the, from here they, they would go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Where they would fall asleep on him. He would be sweating great drops of blood as, as it, he, was, he, was, he was almost dying through dread, the Bible teaches. And so he's trying to pour into him the last, the very last uh, moments of his life. And they did not understand. Remember, this is just after Jesus broke bread with him on the Passover, which he turned into our Holy Communion. Halfway through Passover, Jesus instituted the Holy Communion. And he had just broken bread with these people. He indeed had gotten down on his knees and washed their feet. He was showing the love that he, will, he was teaching. They didn't understand. During this last week, he, was, he came into the city of Jerusalem as a conquering hero, a king. They were putting their cloaks down in front of him and calling him king. Hosanna, Hosanna, king. They didn't understand. Nobody understood. Jesus repeatedly told them, that my kingdom is not of this world. That's not why I came. They did not believe. They did not understand. You see, quite often to understand things like this. Okay, we study the word of God, what it means. We study our own hearts to see how we're accepting that. And quite often that's where it stops. Because quite often we like to argue with God. But if you're right with God... And you know that it's truth what he's teaching you. Uh, you will receive it. But then they go to the telescopic view. The plan of God from creation to creation, really, is what's going to happen. That's the overview. Um, and, and, and to me, that helps understand, helps me to understand difficulties like, and tragedies like we're going through now. And we'll continue to grow through in different ways in this life. And then Jesus, after saying that, and remember, you can feel his frustration growing. That they didn't understand their hearts were hard. Their hearts were about themselves. We get to be in the kingdom and I'm right next to the king. No, no. Verse 14, 1 to 4. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there's many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. 
I am going to go and make a place, prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be with me where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus is in this in this passage. It's one of the most quoted passages at funerals. I'm sure you've heard it at funerals. That if a believer dies, or some people even they even use it when they, they don't have any interest in God whatsoever, trying to placate the family. But Jesus is is emotionally teaching. Calm down, guys. Calm down. Eternity past, eternity future. I'm in charge of. Trust me. Yes, he was going to die. Yes, he would come back for them. If you're a believer, a true believer, you understand the joy of that that message, don't you? Yeah. Even though it's it's not good. I mean, going through the process of dying is not good. I've sat on the bed with many, many people as they left this world. And there's no greater joy to feel that when, when my mama or Dee's mama closes her eyes for the last time and opens them, she's going to have Jesus there with a smile on his face saying, come with me, Aline. Come with me, Vanita. Come with me, Ron. Do you see the joy there? We have assurance that that will happen. And it kind of takes the sting out of death. And that's what Jesus was trying to explain here. God's eternal plan, big view, is he is regathering himself to himself, a willing family. I've told you this before. I will tell you again. His whole plan on this earth is to rescue some, some from darkness and take them to the kingdom of light where he is. Not many people say most people will go to heaven. No, they won't. Jesus will come to us. Jesus is going to either come for us uh, while we're still living in the rapture or the resurrection from the dead. He will give you a new body. I've, I've witnessed to so many people. And they go, that's impossible. How's he gonna, how are you going to live without a body? I said, well, he gives you a new one. Any more questions? He gives you a, a body that will not die. The body that you, he originally planned for you in the Garden of Eden. Now, I have news for you. He gives you this body whether you believe in Christ and live forever in heaven with him. Or he gives you this body whenever you go to hell and will not die there. You will have a body that's totally indestructible. That's the, that's the divine part, what we call the soul of you and I. There's no third choice. There's no going in for six months and praying out. There's, there's none of that. Either a believer with Christ or unbeliever away from Christ. Understand, if you are truly born again, 
Notice I didn't say religious, and I didn't say a good person. Religionists or good people will not be in, well, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Religionists or good people will not enter the kingdom of heaven. They will stand before the throne in judgment. When Vet and I go and, and, and we're witnessing to these folks, they know all about God. They know they're good people. They stop drinking. They, whatever their standard is. But when Mr. Vet explains to them that they must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven, they're stunned. A man named Trey. Um, during this last weekend, I climbed up the hill. Finally, it took me a while. He and his wife were st- uh, sitting up there. He was just enjoying the weather. The wind was blowing. He was a black man. The street name was Trey. I can't pronounce his other name. But I asked him if he wants some coffee and if I could sit down. And he asked me to. He's friendly. His wife didn't much like me to start with. She walked away. That cult's going to get my boy. No. So he's sitting there within five minutes, Mr. Trey, this hard street man. And he was hard and he grew up on the streets. was weeping like a child. Because we were talking about eternity. We were talking about his grandma who tried to teach him about Christ, but he rejected it. She had died a year before. And he was just weeping. And then his wife started coming over and holding his hand. And I said, do you know about Jesus? Yes, she taught me. She told me. She prayed for me. I said, you know what, Trey? She's praying for you right now. You think she prayed for you here? Imagine being face to face with God. I said, and I explained the gospel to him very simply. Jesus died for your sins. You know that. Yes, I do. Would you like to be born again? He says, yes, I do. I want to see my grandma and I want to see Jesus. So we bowed our heads and and I led him to the Lord. All the time he was wailing, just weeping from the bottom of his heart. And then when he had a big smile on his face and I put his hand upon his wife's and I said, Trey, I would like you to pray for your wife. Now, I want her to hear you pray as a new believer. And so he prayed for his wife, started weeping again, and she started weeping. And she was harder than him. She could whoop me. And, and then I said, okay, could you then pray for your husband? And she prayed for her husband out loud. It's the first time in either of their lives they had prayed for each other. I said, now, according to the scriptures, Trey, you are born again. You don't have to worry. Find yourself a church. The next day when we came back, we was unloading the truck. This truck came by, screeched right in the middle of the street, and I'm unloading something. Trey puts out his hand, biggest smile on his face you ever want to see, and says, Thank you, Ron. How you doing today? I said, I'm doing good, Trey. And he's just smiling. Born again. Comes about from the inside out. Not the outside in. And he promises to come back for those that are. 5 to 14. 
Okay, let's see here. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, or how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. One of the most famous verses in Scripture, revolutionary. It not only includes all the believers who believe in Jesus, but it excludes the religionists and the good people who do not. Jesus was saying at this point, I am God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the get, the gate. I am the true shepherd. No one enters but through me. Infuriates the world. Gives joy to you. This backward third world country, 2,000 years ago, a shepherd, a very poor man, born a shepherd society. He says he's God. You have to decide whether you believe that personally. And not only believe it, but give him your soul. Now, if you made a mistake, that soul goes where he goes. And if he's a faker, you're going to follow him to hell. So there is a price. There is a, you must count the cost. I gave him my soul, and I trust him with it. And I know for a fact. I know for a fact. Because I've pushed on this book so many times, trying to find a hole in it. It's not there. Jesus is God. Jesus came and tented, the Bible says, among humanity. He lived a holy life. He died on the cross. He was resurrected three days later. He now sits at the right hand of God. That is the gospel. You can lead anybody to Christ that you come upon just by knowing those words. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you? Such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's from the Father living in me who is doing his word. Believe me. When I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the miracles, the evidence of the miracles themselves. And they've seen the miracles. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in my name will do greater works than I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This is the very first time he said that. Now, whenever you become a believer, are you on your own? They were afraid because they were losing their Messiah, their teacher, their protector. The one has taken care of them for three years. Fed them when they were hungry from almost nothing. 
uh, calmed the storm, saved their life. Uh, they watched him preach to thousands and thousands of people. This was their guy, their protector. And they were not knowing the wider story. They were afraid. And sometimes we get afraid the same way. Whether it's economic, our health, uh, things that happened in this body, um, things that people do, um, our, our fearless leaders uh, sometimes scare me. Jesus said in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you. And be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Because it neither sees him. Nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you. And will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. What he's talking about there is the Holy Spirit of God. Well, some, some um, additions call it the Holy Ghost, different things like that. He's the part of the Trinity. He comes in you, not at a later date. Maybe you've... Ask, you've prayed the prayer, you've been baptized, you've done good, maybe he'll come to you. No. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 tells you he comes immediately into you and gives you a new nature, the moment of your salvation. So, you don't have to force yourself to obey his commands. Because obeying his commands is a prerequisite of being a believer. I want you to know that personal holiness is not optional if you're a believer. Personal holiness is not optional if you're a believer. You must obey his word. You must. I mean, he gives you a new nature where you, you love to pray for people. You love to get in the word of God. Your personal time. It's not a chore. It's like hugging the Lord. It's hard to explain. And then you go out and you do whatever he's asked you to do. If any of those things are missing in your life, uh, it could be just that you're falling away from the Lord. Or more likely, if you do not have this joy in your heart, uh, chances are you're not born again. You're not saved. There's three levels of, of believing. Uh, whenever you see something. Okay, I see it. Okay. And then the second level is seeing it and understanding it. The third level of belief is seeing it, understanding it in the eyes of your heart and embracing it. The third level is when you've come to know the Lord. If you give your soul to him. First two levels are meaningless. It'll just add to your um, your, your last day's condemnation. Bible says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but only the one that does his will of my Father who is in heaven. He says, 
at the end of that, I never knew you. He didn't say I threw you out. He didn't say you weren't good enough. He said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. First John 2, 3, and 6. We're doing First John in Sunday school class. And it's a hard line that he draws. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep, do what his command, he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Bible says, work out your salvation of fear and trembling to see if you're there. All of our time, that, myself, Robert, the wives, anybody that would like to know how to do that, we will help you find it. We'll not beg you um, because it's not us that saves your soul. It's God himself. You have to believe his words. We'll end in this. God wants you and his family, but you get to choose. Do you choose religion? I hope not. It's too hard to do all that stuff. Or do you choose grace? For by grace are you saved through faith. This is not of yourself, but it's a free gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. I hope you decide correctly. John 15, 11 to 17 says, and we will end in this. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Again, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father. I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name. The Father will give you. This is my command. To love one another. Now, like I said, if maybe you're living a life not according to God's command. I don't know. Perhaps you're living a holy life according to God's command. Bless you. Perhaps you're confused on this moment of salvation, how you become born again. Ask me. Ask Fett. Ask Robert. We have a lot of the folks, David. And we'll show you how to get into the kingdom. It's not a secret. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much for this time in your word. Thank you so much, Father, for Jesus what he must have been going through in those last hours of his life, Father. I'm sorry he had to go through it for me, but he did. I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit that you will provoke hearts in this congregation now. People will say, I want to be with Jesus no matter what the cost is. And it does cost.
So I just pray, Father, that you bless each soul in this room. Go with them home, to school, to their works, their jobs, their friends. And I just pray that your word will stay with them, Father. And they will learn to obey you, that I may learn to obey you better and love you more. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.